Hi guys and welcome back to the Unscalable podcast. So today I'm super excited to have Phil Starkovich on the show. Phil is the co-founder of TubeBuddy, which was acquired last year. Uh, Phil operated the company in a very generous way. Instead of maximizing revenues, he chose to give discounts and free upgrades. This doesn't seem very scalable to me, so I'm very keen to dig deeper into this. Uh, Phil, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gavin. Uh, excited to chat with you. I know we've talked about how we have a lot of the, the same experiences here. So, uh, And as you said, it's almost therapy chatting with other uh, co-founders, especially after acquisition. So we can kind of dive deeper into all that. Cool. Uh, so for those listeners who don't know what TubeBuddy is, how would you describe it? Um, so TubeBuddy is a browser extension for built for YouTube creators. And there's really two main purposes of it. One is kind of the SEO side of YouTube. So just as you'd optimize a website and web pages, you, you can do the same on YouTube. Um, you know, so we help people get their videos found. So if you do a, a cooking channel and you cook a certain type of meat, we help you, you know, create the right titles that people are looking for, descriptions, tags, all those kind of things. So that, that's one big piece of it. And the other big piece that I always liked focusing on was time-saving tools on YouTube. So um, lots of features that kind of helped users with uh, templates on new uploads and bulk processing. So uh, you can make changes on thousands of videos at once instead of one at a time. So those are the two major buckets. And um, yeah, the core features are in a browser extension. There's also a mobile app and some tools on our website, but mainly a browser extension. Cool. And um, yeah, I think for, for us, we have quite a few customers that use YouTube, obviously creators mm -hmm. who rave about your product. Um, so where did the idea come from originally? Um, I mean, if we go way back, uh, it started, I, I was I was listening to your your podcast, actually, and you were talking about MySpace and Friendster um, on one of your earlier episodes. And um, we first built a product for MySpace um, that was around marketing and um, kind of automated marketing uh, around MySpace and certain topics. And that kind of died off. And then it, when YouTube came around, we decided to build something similar that um, automated a lot of kind of outreach. But at, at some point, we felt this was before TubeBuddy. Um, felt it was a little too spammy and not necessarily um, something that YouTube would, you know, get behind. So uh, we kind of dropped that project and jumped into TubeBuddy where we focused on the SEO side, um, you know, the bulk processing, time saving. And and really for us, the biggest thing with, with TubeBuddy that I think really made it a success, especially early on, was the um, browser component because um, it was a browser extension. So you know, creators are very busy um, making their videos, editing videos. It's hard to get them to come out to a separate website to manage their videos. But as a browser extension, all of our workflows are built right into their upload process right on YouTube's website. So they never have to leave YouTube.com. They're, you know, right. All our tools are built right in there. Um, and that was kind of key early on, I think. Yeah. Did you guys raise any funding? Was it all bootstrapped? Uh, no, it was all it was all bootstrapped. Um, you know, mostly from our earlier products, kind of kept us afloat early on. Um, and just for some background, there were four co-founders at TubeBuddy. Um, it was actually myself, my brother, my dad, um, and one of our good friends. So we were all all four developers, just like you know, building products. And um, you know, yeah, no no investment. That's something I always uh, stayed away from as as far as I could. So yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess, um, did you always plan to sell the company? Like, did you build it to sell or was it just going to be like a lifestyle business? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, definitely lifestyle business. It was never the goal to sell. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely surprised kind of where we're at now. But um, I mean, a long time ago, years ago, I think it passed where I thought it would ever get to, um, you know, company size, financially, um, everything just kind of just kind of grew out of our hands well beyond what I thought it would ever get to. Um, so yeah, that, that wasn't the plan. But I, at the same time, I, I said, you know, never say never. And um, if the right people and opportunity came along, you know, I was always open to, to mm. listening. So it's crazy how similar our stories are, because uh-huh. yeah, I guess when I started Sendable, the whole idea was to have passive income and just kind of have people paying to use the product while I could just go have, have time for family or kind of um, spend time on the yeah. beach. Uh, so like for you, like what, what changed your mind in terms of wanting to sell in the end? Yeah, I think it, a lot of it came down to just company size. And, um, I mean, we were, you know, a quarter the size of Sendable. Um, there was 13 employees. Um, but even that we were, we were a very flat organization. So there were the four co-founders and then essentially everybody else reported to one of us. Um, and we were kind of getting to a breaking point where, you know, we really needed, I think a lot more employees, um, and we didn't want to kind of hire management and deal with a bigger team. And, um, you know, like I said, we we're all developers and just kind of like tinkering and building things. And we don't want to manage this big company. And, and we definitely, you know, considered hiring people to take our roles and keep the company, but have them run it. Um, but I think even then it's still, you're still tied down to it. And I, I'd still, I think, wake up every day, checking the servers and making sure everything's okay. And, um, I mean, one nice thing is we're, we're at that point where um, it's not like that for me, at least. Um, so um, I think what, what changed it back to your question is just um, didn't want to have to manage as many people. And I wanted to put my time towards building new things. Mm. Yeah. So did, did a company reach out to you or did you kind of go looking for an acquirer? Like, how did you approach it? Yeah, no, we um, I'll give you a quick story on that. Um, definitely. I mean, like other companies, we had a lot of you know, investor emails or acquisition emails, and it just click ignore, ignore, ignore. Um, and then um, the so we got acquired by Branded Entertainment Network. Um, they go by Ben, and um, their CEO Ricky Ray Butler. Uh, he's friends with a lot of people that I'm friends with, and we kind of work in the same community. I saw him at events, uh, so I actually I, I just randomly reached out to him on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, we we work with a lot of same people. We should we should get to know each other, see if our companies can work together." And then, um, so we scheduled this phone call about a month later. And and when we called, uh, I remember you know specifically right before the call, thinking, "I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I have nothing really to talk to him about." And so when he answered, um, I said, "You know, we have a lot of a lot of the same friends, but I don't have much to talk about." And he said, well, well, I do. Um, we're, we're looking at acquiring some companies this year. And, uh, you know, I, we've checked out TubeBuddy. We like what you're doing. Um, so he, he talked a little bit about that. And uh, he mentioned, of course, that Bill Gates actually owns Ben. Um, so, you know, that, that didn't hurt the conversation either. You know, so I could, I could tell people Bill Gates uh, owns TubeBuddy now. Um, yeah. And, and really, you know, from the very beginning, all he talked about was wanting to empower and help creators. Um, and so we knew, you know, I, I think just like you, you wanted the right, the, the company with the right mission that would kind of carry your baby along and raise it, you know, similar to how you wanted it raised. Um, so 
they had the right mission. They had backing, um, you know, they're in a similar space, but just doing something different. They do product placement mainly. Um, so everything just came together and it felt like if we were ever going to sell the company, this would be it. And like, you know, I remember thinking if this doesn't work, I'd probably never go down this path again because everything just aligned perfectly. And, and if that didn't work, then, then I wasn't going to do it. And how long did the whole process take? Like what, once you kind of agreed, a, a, I guess, a mm-hmm. price? Yeah, it, it was it was about eight months. Well, eight months from the first phone call um, to the to the final signing, um, you know, probably six months. And it was it was brutal. Um, I mean, just so much information and documents. And I mean, you know, we got this 500 line Excel document that that we had to fill out. And then we realized each line wasn't um, just a single answer. Each line, we had to provide a document. So it was like hundreds and hundreds of documents. And uh, yeah, luckily, um, you know, I mentioned my dad helped us out with the company and he was, uh, he had a lot of history in, in finance and could kind of run all the numbers while we kept the business going. And I guess that, that's something I kind of wanted to ask you to actually was um, with four co-founders, kind of like you, we had to keep it a secret and it felt, I mean, on, as a side note, felt horrible keeping the secret from everybody that we built all this trust from. Um, but with us, there were four of us. So we could kind of have one person focus on the due diligence and, and the rest kind of run the company. I was wondering how you did that with just oh, yourself. Man, that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think as a solo founder, I was providing all those documents, like the, like, like uh, the 500 documents you said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing that, like trying to run the company and trying to sell the business at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. People warned me how much, how, how rough it would be, but it was just, I mean, even worse or maybe as bad as they said, but, uh, definitely felt good after, after getting through it. Um, and then I guess once you signed the deal, um, so for me, I just started crying, like after I signed the agreement, <laughs> so I was like so emotional, but how did you react after you signed? There definitely wasn't, you know, excitement, which I think, you know, if you started your company to sell it, then you completed your goal. But it, it's kind of strange, you know, that it was never the goal. And um, so there wasn't really excitement. I, I was happy that that it was done and that I could kind of focus. I was very happy. You know, I would have been happy either way if it if we went through with it or not. So I was kind of just happy that the process was done and I could know what my future was going to look like a little bit. Um, so it was it was kind of relief. Um I mean, I, you know, financially, it's exciting. And um, there's that side of it. Uh, you know, I was kind of dreading telling the employees, which, which was very difficult. Um, and yeah, it was, it was kind of strange when we'd, we would tell people and um, not employees, but just friends and co or, you know, people in the industry, and they'd all congratulate me. Oh, congratulations. And it was very strange, people congratulating you for something you weren't intending to do or it wasn't a goal so you know i have to have to say thank you um but i mean i kind of told everybody that it wasn't wasn't the goal it was just kind of how it worked out yeah how did you tell the team yeah um yeah that so i i basically put together a presentation and um so we had four co-founders and then the nine essentially nine employees to tell um, and a few of them, I think three, three out of the nine, I set up individual one-on-one calls with, um, 
and basically put together a, a PowerPoint presentation to talk about our history and, um, you know, my thinking and how I'm a builder and not a manager and the team size and tried to kind of justify, you know, why it happened and, and kind of walk through it. And, um, you know, for, for more than one person, there were, there were some tears and, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, a, a celebration on their end. Of course, um, they were kind of worried what happens next, but I tried to reassure them that all along, uh, my number one goal was really just make sure employees were treated well. Um, cause I knew no matter what, if they weren't treated well, then I wouldn't be happy with the decision. Uh, so through the entire process, um, we put things in place to make sure, you know, everybody kept their job and, um, I, you know, we got to pay them all really good bonuses, you know, in some cases a full year salary. Um, we wanted them to kind of share in this too, a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, so a few individuals I talked to, um, and then a few groups, um, as well, but yeah, it was kind of, you know, it, it was all over, over zoom because of the pandemic. Um, yeah, I've, I've actually still not met, uh, Ricky Ray in person, the CEO. Um, so everybody that I talked to through the entire process, we were scheduled to go visit them, um, the week that everything shut down in California here. So it's kind of strange going through the whole process. Uh, and I assume you were remote during your whole process too, or yeah, I think I think being remote made it possible in a way because I wasn't in the office, so I could have those calls with the acquirers and um, you know stay late or whatever it was, not have to worry about people overhearing things. Uh, so I, I was working either from the office or from home. The team was fully remote, and then yeah, similar to you, I first told the senior members of the team personally, like had had one on ones with them, explained why um, I needed to kind of kind of just like de-risk my personal situation almost. <laughs> Uh, and they all fully understood. They, they were just obviously surprised. They didn't think I would have done it then. Um, but they, they all fully understood why I was doing it. So I told all the managers, all the senior leadership first. Then I prepared this speech to tell the whole company. Uh, so we had like, like 50 people. And we, we, we had hired like 13 people last year who I'd never met in person either. So suddenly I'd hired them. They, they came to work for me. Uh, and here's the guy who say I'm leaving or selling the company. So, you know, that was quite, quite tough. So yeah, I presented it, told the team, similar to you, like I wanted to go back to building things. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm sort of a, a startup founder. I, I'm, I'm not keen to run a company with 50 to 100 people. You know, I want to be building, not managing. Uh, so they all kind of understood. They were surprised because I, I've become the CEO, really. <laughs> I've gone from founder to CEO and creator to manager. Uh, so they they all kind of were surprised because they, they see me as a CEO guy, you know, all these new, these new starters. Uh, some people were crying as well and just very emotional. Um because they, they kind of bought into my vision, you know, and then suddenly the vision is disappearing. So it took a long time to get everyone back on track and having one-on-ones with the whole company and reassuring everyone. Yeah, it was, it was hard. So I've spoken to quite a few founders recently who've uh, kind of stepped down as CEO, they sold their companies, and everyone talks about this mourning period. Did you have that experience of like this period of mourning, like letting go and like this massive loss in your life? Yeah, um, I wouldn't say it was a deep mourning. I I really tried to prepare myself because I, I figured that would be coming or knew that would be coming. So, uh, you know, a, a month or two leading up to the, to the end of the acquisition, I really tried to mentally prepare myself and kind of put myself in my shoes a month out, like, um, and just think through and, and it helped me kind of decide that it was going to be okay too. But, um, I really tried to visualize myself post acquisition. How am I going to feel? Um, you know, in different scenarios. And I think kind of experiencing it 
beforehand and just kind of running through it in my mind helped afterwards um, because I had kind of already felt it or tried to force myself into that, um, you know, that situation or how I would feel. So, um, so yeah, I wouldn't say it was a deep morning. It was more of a, a steady morning on a smaller scale. And there's definitely, you know, there's still some of that to this day. And, um, you know, I don't know if that'll ever go away. There's always going to be the, what if, what if, you know, we had stuck around. Um, but you know, after you get an offer and, and you go through the process, if you end up turning it down, I think you're also going to have the, what if, what if I did go through with the acquisition? So it's like once you're yeah in that process of this huge life changing thing, no matter which way you go, you're always going to wonder what if, you know, what if I did the other? And so, um, I just kind of tried to mentally prepare myself and, uh, parts of it are rough. Uh, yeah, I definitely miss, uh, you know, talking with the team as much as I used to and, and things like that. But, um, so how about you? Is it, uh, <laughs> still going on? Was it worse in the beginning and trailing off? Similar or? to you, like there's this, uh, Jeff Bezos thing where he says that you should try a picture yourself when you're like 70 or 80 looking back. And if you feel like you might regret that thing that you, that you're going to decide on, like judging that like kind of basing your decision on how you feel in the future. So I kind of looked to the future and I thought, if I don't try another startup, I might regret it. I mean, I, I probably will regret not trying again. So I guess if you look back, was there anything that you did that you think was pivotal to your success over the years? Um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I guess two things. One is like you mentioned in the opening, just kind of being generous, uh, you know, giving out a lot of free upgrades or discounts or I'd have people say, hey, I lost my job. Can I get you know, a free upgrade and I upgrade them for life or um, just little things that cost us almost nothing, but you build this super fan and they tell their friends and they might have more than one YouTube channel. So they might pay for another channel in the future or um, just a lot of little things by being generous, just builds this loyalty that um, it's hard to break. Um, And so that was one thing. I think the other really the biggest, um, you know, thing for our success was around our affiliate program and um, just becoming good friends with a lot of the YouTube educators. And so um, built really good relationships. I'm still good friends with all of them and um, see them at events and things like that. And, um, you know, you could work really hard to rank number one in, in the search results yourself on YouTube, or if you're friends with all of the experts and educators, then all of them are you know, ranking across the board and they're all talking about you. So, um, yeah, we worked very closely with kind of the, the influencers in our space, the educators, the YouTube educators, and, um, yeah, worked with them to build our products. We were building what they wanted and then they have this huge following. If, if you want to grow your YouTube channel, they go find these YouTube educators and they're talking about us. So I think the biggest thing was just working with the educators and influencers and, and being generous with them. Did you reach out to them? Like, how did you get them on board? Uh, yeah, a lot of it was just reaching out. Um, there, there's one particular guy, Daryl Eaves, um, who's kind of like, I don't know if you know him. Uh, he's kind of the biggest, uh, he's, I'll call him the YouTube godfather, kind of the oldest, not oldest, but in a uh, longest running YouTube expert, um, huge following. And um, somebody introduced me to him and we just got to show him the product and he loved it. Um, and things really exploded after that because he started talking about us and he had hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, but beyond that, actually, almost every month I would do a search on YouTube for something like how to get 
more views and subscribers. And I would look at the results and see who's posting about this topic and giving advice. Um, so I'd monitor and, you know, if somebody was getting more popular, I'd reach out to them. Um, I'd give them all free lifetime upgrades to TubeBuddy and say, if you ever have feature ideas, let me know. Um, so a lot of it was just active monitoring of um, who's out there making videos uh, that, that people are watching uh, that, that could recommend us. And then I'd reach out to them and, you know, try to, I wouldn't ask, I almost never ask for anything from anybody, um, but just try to give to them. And then, you know, they end up giving in return. Yeah, that's kind of similar to what I like. I think what was pivotal to Sendable's growth was also like um, affiliates. So something I did a couple of years ago was I looked for people who wrote like uh, listicles, so articles reviewing like the top twenty social media tools. And if Sendable, if Sendable wasn't there, I'd get them to add Sendable in exchange for a free account and maybe joining our affiliate program, but to move us to the top of the list as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly you can kind of get on top of Google through those those sort of listicle articles. Yeah. Um, and then from there, you build relationships as they start doing well through the affiliate program. They want to help you more and you help each other and you can help each other grow. Um, so similar to that, yeah, I guess we, we had a few customers that obviously mentioned to you, buddy. As I said before, like how much they, they I loved your software, really raving fans. So I can okay. see where they paid off <laughs> nice. for you guys. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Sounds like uh, maybe you need to build a product to help people uh, find these listicle sites and yeah. <laughs> reach out to them. Um, so I guess you were a technical founder, right? So you were coding GeoBuddy. What was like the hardest thing for you as CEO? Uh, I think a lot of it came, the hardest part was probably just, um, I have trouble telling people what to do. Um, I'm a I'm a big self-starter. I want to jump in there, find things, build things, test things. Uh, and I kind of expect everybody else to do the same, but not everybody's wired like that. So um, you know, some employees are, are waiting for direction, you know, what, what should I do next? What should I work on? And, um, I definitely struggled on, uh, keeping up, not only keeping up with that, but, um, like I said, I'm just not good at telling people what to do. And it, it even goes down to, I coached my daughter's softball team and I was miserable just telling these little kids, here's how to swing, here's how to do this. Um, so yeah, something about me just, uh, I'm, Again, not a good manager in that sense that uh, I have trouble um, asking people to do things just because myself, I, I just kind of jump in and will do things on my own. Um, and so as the team grew, it was more of that. Yeah, one interesting thing, or, or I never felt like we needed to, to get to the next level. I, I was, I would have been happy staying where we were at, which, you know, is I think different than a lot of companies that are always just grow, grow, grow. Um and so, yeah, it just kind of got beyond what we could handle. Um, and, you know, as far as building new things, I think one thing I tended to do was break off projects. I still had enough time to do development. Uh, and, and I would put time in here and there on weekends or nights for fun. Um, but we, we built out a whole separate YouTube product at one point. Um, it's called Channel Reviews, channelreviews.com. Um, and you, it'll scan your entire YouTube channel and give you this kind of automated feedback about best practices. Uh, but I got to kind of scratch that itch of building new products by doing something similar and, and within TubeBuddy. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited now for the opportunity to, to do something completely different. What's the next step for you? Are you working on something new or taking a break? Yeah, um, definitely working on some new stuff. Uh, 
I, I've registered, wow, at least 10 domain names. I hadn't registered a domain name in seven years. And now I've done probably gotten 10 domain names in the last few months just for different ideas. And I've, I've started a few of them. And um, yeah, I'm not really sure which will be the main product. And I'm still playing around and, and taking it slow. Um, but yeah, people are, you know, people joke around, are you going to go sit on a beach and, and have a drink all day? And, um, and, it, and the answer is no, that's not what I enjoy. I, I enjoy building things and, and creating software. So um, that's how I want to spend my free time. And so, yeah, working on a few new things and hopefully I can, yeah, announce it in a couple months. Where's the best place for people to find you online? Are you on, you on LinkedIn or Twitter? Where do you hang out? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I, I don't have much of a social presence. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever, you know, maybe one tweet out there ever. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> low key and quiet, so you won't find much. But I'm on LinkedIn if you want to chat or uh, that's probably cool. the best place to find me. And you're on, on YouTube, I assume? <laughs> Not yet. Uh, I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. Everybody, it's funny, yeah, not being on YouTube as a as the TubeBuddy founder, <laughs> but uh, maybe yeah. someday. Yeah, cool, awesome. Thanks so much, Phil. All right, thank you. <laughs>